Welcome to the Investor Download, the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. I'm your host, David Brett. Welcome to the Investor Analyst. We've got Tom Walker in the room, co-head of real estate here at Schroders. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. How's the new year been for you so far? So far, so good. Early days. Okay, well, <laughs> we are about to talk about a sector that's been a bit topsy-turvy, hasn't it, over the last couple of years? Um, we've had interest rate rise, had the pandemic, obviously. Can you just bring us up to date as to what's happened and why it's been a little bit topsy-turvy? Yeah, you're right. Um, as I sort of said at the end of last year, it's kind of nice to get out and talk about real estate because not many people <laughs> have wanted to talk about real estate recently. So really, I think the problems for the sector started probably in February 2022, when interest rates started a very quick... Uh, climb. And what that does is that changes the discount rate people are using to value income streams. And just so simply from a mathematical point of view, you know, the value of assets producing income was going to reduce. And that normally that's okay for the sector. And it'll be many times in my career when rates have moved up, but we can compensate because I can move the portfolio into higher growth areas where earnings are growing faster. But the speed and the quantum of that change starting in February 22 was like something we hadn't seen before. And that was why we saw such a marked valuation write down in the assets in this in the listed sector. And then last year was sort of, you know, slightly up a very strong rally in the final quarter, as people think the interest rates are, you know, reducing, uh, or at least stabilising. But that's been the problem for the sector over the last year or so has been interest rates and their climb. During that difficult period, was it difficult to see the woods from the trees? It must have been quite dark. Yeah, it was. It was a, a very sort of unnerving time. But one of the things that I found strangest was that every meeting we had with companies that we invest in, every re research trip we did into real estate markets, they were really strong. Management teams were actually upgrading their earnings. We saw more resilient earnings. We saw more demand. We saw supply cut off. And so I was having kind of, you know, this kind of bipolar world where I had very strong management meetings and fundamentals were great. But then in the capital markets world, where interest rates were rising and that discount rate was increasing, as I mentioned, values were just falling very fast. And that's probably kind of the, the most extreme it's been in my career, where the capital markets are doing one thing and then the fundamentals in the direct market are doing something else. And were company management keeping their cool during that period? Because they must have been panicking a little bit themselves. Well, I don't think they were panicking, actually. I think that management teams, most of them are pretty experienced. They've been doing it for a long time and they know that listed markets get jittery. And they've seen it before. Um, and because they're probably more on the coal face and they actually see, look, there's no supply. Inflation has been in leading to an increase in cost of raw materials. There's no supply coming through. And I've got assets and I can see more demand for structural reasons, maybe. And so actually they knew that it would change, as, as I think kind of we all did. But they could actually just see that their income stream was growing. And that's really the only thing you can control as a CEO of a property company. And so, you know, they they were sort of they weren't panicking. They were happy. They could see that you know the business was actually in a good in a good position. The key for all of them, and there would have been panic if they had weak balance sheets. You know, and it's debt which is always the issue. You know, when the property market turns or there's something coming, if you've got a strong balance sheet, you're you're fine. If you've got a weak balance sheet, then you're in a tricky position. And so, the only panic would have been. Unfortunately, we didn't have any in our portfolio, but companies who had too much debt. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, you're listening to the Investor Download. Okay, so you mentioned things have got a little bit brighter. So what has changed? Is it just the fact that interest rates might be peaking? Yeah, well, so, you know, to sort of, 
tell you a little bit of the craziness of kind of our world in listed real estate is from a real estate point of view, nothing's changed. It's still as strong as it was kind of for the last couple of years. It's all to do with the macro. And, and pleasingly, from an active management point of view, it really feels that that narrative is beginning to shift from the macro to the micro. What has changed is that we it feels like interest rates have peaked. That's all we need in the real estate sector for now, strong performance. And people are beginning to talk about interest rate cuts as well. I mean, that's just going to fuel the performance in the sector as much as it hurt it going back to 2022. So what has changed is just that interest rate sentiment and then the discount rate people are using for those cash flows. And that led to a very strong rally in the final quarter when we had pretty passive commentary coming out from the Fed, you know, the ECB about where rates were going to go. And that gave investors confidence to say, right, rates have peaked and they may well be cuts in 2024. Yes, I was reading some of our research and it looks like markets are pricing in, certainly in the US and UK, interest rates to fall to potentially 3% uh, next year. If that, oh, Sorry, this year. If that doesn't happen, is that going to cause an issue for the real estate sector? No, and this is the, the interesting thing for us is, you know, we throughout the um, kind of weak performance in the, in the stock market, we've been very consistent in saying all that we want to happen is stability in interest rates. We don't need rates to get cut for real estate to start performing because actually what investors have priced into listed real estate is a recession. And, and so we kind of feel that there's really quite attractive valuation uh, opportunities in the market at the moment. And so, you know, really, you know, heading into a recession or the need for rates to be cut, we feel that's already baked into to prices right now. Um, and so if rates were to cut, I think I would see that more as kind of icing on the cake as opposed to kind of, you know, really what's needed to have, you know, strong performance at this point in time. Because it feels like investors have almost disregarded a recession scenario. So you're saying even if it does go into recession, you know, real estate's had such a bad time that it probably wouldn't drive it down any further. Yeah, we, we think that's priced in, exactly. And I think, interestingly for me, if we head into a recession, actually real estate can look quite an attractive asset class. I mean, if I think about our portfolio, on average, we've got an income stream contracted to high quality tenants for about four or five years. And so if you're heading into recession for, let's say, two or three years, whatever the time period, you've still got certain income stream coming through from high quality tenants that's going to be paid. And so, you know, your dividends that you're going to receive as investors, that's not going to change. And as I mentioned, you know, as long as interest rates don't start increasing again, that capital value of the assets, that will remain static as well. And so actually, I think real estate could be quite interesting if we head into a recession. And if interest rates don't go down, are there still a few companies at risk? Bear in mind how much is the cost of capital and how much it's going to cost to repay whatever you know, loans they've taken out. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what I, again, I think what you're going to see for you know, a good six months into this year, if not longer, is pretty negative headlines about the real estate sector. But that's when you start to think about listed real estate and then the direct market. So listed real estate kind of moves quickly. It prices ahead based on new information. So when everyone saw that interest rates were going to increase, that was priced in to listed markets pretty quickly. The direct market is always a little bit slower to react. And so you're going to see investors who've got to refinance and they're going to see their equity wiped out. They're going to have to make distressed sales. There's going to be headlines about, you know, unlisted property funds, you know, having to sell or, you know, perhaps even going to bankruptcy because that refinancing is too much. And so that's what's going on in the direct market. The listed market is priced that new news now. But again, back to my point I made earlier, they've got strong balance sheets and there's a really, really, really different position in terms of that strength of 
the debt positions that the listed companies are in versus the direct market. Um, and so we actually think some of the REITs are going to be in a really strong position to capitalise on that distress. If someone is selling a kind of trophy asset at a discounted rate, the REITs have access to debt and they've got access to equity. And I think actually that puts them in a really interesting position for the first time in almost five or 10 years where they've got the lowest cost of capital. And so I think we're expecting some of the REITs in our portfolio to do quite transformational deals over the next six to 12 months, taking advantage of that distress. Okay. And just for the listener, can we just define what's the difference between a direct uh, client and a, a listed uh, yeah, market. so well, a, a listed company is a company whose shares are trading on the stock market. And so if you think about if we were told today that interest rates were going to be rising for the next two years, you'd be selling, investors would generally be selling those shares because the value of the assets held by that listed company is going to is going to fall. The direct market, it just gets priced when a building is bought or sold. And so, you know, that might take six months, it might take three months. So it's much slower to see those valuations move for some of these unlisted funds. Valuers might revalue them every quarter, maybe every six months, and it tends to be very lagged. And so that's sort of just the difference. And, you know, in the UK, we've had lots of headlines about bricks and mortar funds. When investors take fund money out of those funds, the fund itself needs to sell that building. And that's where you get those sort of suspensions. Whereas the listed market, it's always liquid, it's always open but you have more volatility on the way up and the way down. I was going to ask, how do investors that are reading those headlines differentiate between the two? You know, when do they panic or when do they just say, okay, I've heard about that, that'll be fine in the future? It, it's really just to do with valuation. And it's about understanding that the listed market has priced in the fact that interest rates are higher. They've priced in that there's sort of probably a recession on the way. And then direct market transactions that took place over the last six months or so, they probably weren't pricing that in. And so there's just a... a, a, a change in the information lag. It's, it's a difference. The listed markets look forward and they move ahead of price changes. The direct market is always looking in the rear view mirror. So it tends to be slower to react to changes. Uh, and what are the major themes, certainly since the pandemic has been demand? Have you seen any pickup in demand or has or the, um, the market just settled at a certain level in terms of real estate demand for, from companies and from workers coming back into the cities? Yeah, so it really depends on sort of which subsector you're looking at. But if we're just to talk about offices, it really depends where you are in the world. I mean, if we just sort of think about Europe, Europe as a region wants to work from home really more than most places around the world. I'd say kind of in Asia, Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong want to work from home the least. Europe is pretty high. And then in America, the West Coast of the States is almost kind of non-existent, if you like, in, in the office. And so you need to be very careful about where your office exposure is. Um, and so we've absolutely seen cities themselves be become very vibrant post-COVID. But what people are doing in cities is very different. There's less working in offices. There's more living in apartments or going out and sort of, you know, having fun in bars or restaurants or theatres or whatever it might be. And so it's about understanding the type of real estate you own in a city and how that's performed. Get in touch with us by email at shorterspodcasts at shorters.com or visit our website, shorters.com forward slash investor download. So you guys talk about global cities a lot. That thesis is still there. You still believe in the global city? 
Yeah, I mean, there's it's, it's sort of very clear. I mean, if you just sort of look, for instance, at apartment sort of occupancy and demand, wherever you are in the world, demand to live in a city is at record highs, vacancies at record low, rents are going up very, uh, very quickly. And, you know, back to kind of the inflation uh, that we've seen across the world, and in particular in the US, and the reasons why interest rates went up, one of those core sticky parts of US inflation was what was shelter, which is kind of owner's equivalent rent. And so, yeah, the, the thesis for a city is, is still as strong today as it was pre the pandemic, if not stronger, because we've now survived, if you like, another crisis. But it's just about understanding the type of real estate you own in that city and how you're going to benefit. And are there certain subsectors of you were talking about that are more interesting than others or certainly more attractive than others? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously kind of offices is going to be in the less attractive camp. Um, and then something like data centers or logistics assets are going to be in the more exciting camp. And so one of the interesting things for us last year was the kind of um, the democratization of artificial intelligence and how that became a thing. Now, we've always known that kind of whether it's edge, com edge computing, artificial intelligence um, was always going to drive data center demand at some point in time. And it came true last year. So we have seen demand for data centers increase dramatically, completely game changing. Rents, therefore, for people who own data centers are climbing very fast. And so that was the strongest subsector last year. So that's clearly a very interesting place to be invested right now. And we think that artificial intelligence will probably lead to an increase for data center demand of between four to eight times. And we could be massively kind of uh, underplaying that because we just don't quite know how uh, sort of strong artificial demand and how how much it's going to impact our lives. But that's our early estimations. So that's very interesting. Another subsector I would call out would be kind of uh, aging demographics and healthcare. So, you know, retirement communities, memory care, independent living, assistant living, everything that kind of plays to that kind of elderly demographic is, is really seeing very strong demand. Again, back over in the States, I think you've got 10,000 uh, retirees a day moving into kind of the plus 65 age, uh, age bracket. And that's really leading to very strong demand for age-restricted communities, those retirement communities, um, at a time when supply is at an almost all-time low. So again, rents are moving quickly. Okay, so we've got lots of interesting themes there. If you could sum it up for the outlook for the next uh, 12 months, maybe 18 months, what would you tell investors? Yeah, so I think for, for investors, you've got a sector that's been repriced. You've got a sector that is priced in a recession, I would argue as well. And I think that unless you believe interest rates are going to increase dramatically, it's an interesting time from a valuation perspective to look at the sector. Plus, you add to that those management meetings I was referring to, the structural trends, compounding, leading to extra demand for particular subsectors, you're going to get earnings growth. So we think that the sector, you know, even heading into a recession, looks quite attractively priced for a sector that has earnings growth as well. well let's hope that all plays out for you and for hopefully all your investors as well. Uh, Tom Walker, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, please head to schroders.com forward slash insights. And we're endeavouring to record as many of these shows in the studio on video. If you want to watch them in their full unabridged version, uh, then go to Schroder's YouTube channel. If you want to get in touch with us, it's Schroder's podcast at schroders.com. And remember, you can listen, subscribe and review the Investor Download wherever you get your podcasts. New shows drop every Thursday at 5pm UK time. 
But above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up. Investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products or to adopt any investment strategy. 